Amen. You can be seated. Thanks so much for being here this morning at Outward Church. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and we're getting close to wrapping up our, our series in this, but it's been, uh, it's been a, a pretty cool series, I think, uh, because it's, it's been different than what we've done in the past. Obviously, Ecclesiastes is a, is a unique book in the Bible, and so that's been, that's been pretty cool, and so we've had lots of great conversations and so forth. Today, is going to be uh, about the difference between being a fool um, and being somebody who has wisdom. Uh, being wise versus somebody who is completely uh, foolish. Uh, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, who is an um, old pastor from the 1800s, he said this, the doorstep to the temple of wisdom is the knowledge of our own ignorance. The doorstep to the temple of wisdom is the knowledge of our own ignorance. I don't know if you have ever come to the point where you say, I just don't understand all of life. I'm, I'm not sure that I have all of this right and I need help. If you haven't come to that point, there's probably people in your life that wish that you have. <laughs> you've, you've, pro- you, you've probably uh, been in some of those situations. Uh, the situations in my life where that came about, and I, I, I feel like I talk about them often, but I want to remind you of how dumb I've been, uh, just so you don't feel dumb when you see your dumbness. Um, I should have used the thesaurus earlier, but uh, uh, but my, my foolishness kind of exercised itself in the things that I got involved in as a young man. When I was 18 years old, I got stopped right out here by a police officer, and I was so furious because he didn't stop the guy in front of me. And so I jump out of the car, and cops love this. You should do this sometime. Jump out of the car, you know, what are you doing? Hands up in the air, and, you know, what are you, what are you, why are you pulling me over? Sit on the curb. Cuffs me, stuffs me, you know, like, now what are you so mad about? Like, why are you pulling me over? I'm just going to tell you that your taillight's out. You know, and like all of that for, I mean, that was not wisdom exercising itself in my life. I I remember uh, someone close to me um, was out and about doing some foolish things one night. And they uh, went out and they got mixed up with the wrong crowd. And they got uh, completely pummeled, like beat up by several people. And they uh, came back to where I was and they they were bruised, battered. Um, somebody uh, was a good Samaritan, picked up my, my friend off the street, took him to the hospital. I mean, there was stitches and, and a, a busted knee and all kinds of stuff. And I was, I was furious. I was furious that someone had done this. And so I grabbed my 357 at home, and I hop in my truck, and I go driving off, and I'm going to go find these guys. And I drive into the neighborhood where I think that they were, and I go looking for somebody. And I thank God that there wasn't a person on the street because I'm not sure what I would have done as an ignorant, uh, I, I, I was probably 18, 20, it might have been last year, I don't remember, but, uh, but uh, no, it was, it was a few years ago, um, I'm uh, off on parole at this point, but, I, uh, but I, I was driving around and I was looking for somebody to shoot, I, I'm serious, and I uh, couldn't find anybody, and then the, uh, the reality of that sets in as I'm driving home. And pretty soon I, I begin to get angry with the person who had gotten themselves into this situation because 
I, I, I felt like I needed to defend that person. And so I, instead of kind of going and doing this, I went back and, and had a talk with that person. But I, I realized some things in my, in my life during that time, which was that I was such an idiot and, I mean, as I go on, I just, and I don't know if you've experienced this, uh, men, in your marriage, but you kind of come to this place where you're like, I am such an idiot. And I, I cannot believe I said that. I, I cannot believe that these things have been true of me. I, I, I am such a moron. And Spurgeon says this. He says, the doorstep to the temple of wisdom, the doorstep, the, the way to get into the temple of wisdom, the way to be wise is the knowledge of your own ignorance. And that, at that point in my life, I, I realized something, and that is that I am walking around with idiots. I am walking around with people that are well-intentioned, but all of us are about as dumb as each other. And what I really needed to, to do was I needed to find people who were wise. I needed to walk with the wise. I needed to walk with wise people. And so that's what I needed to do. But that was the beginning of my life changing in some areas. That was the beginning of me seeing some actual changes happen in my life. And so this is some practical wisdom, and it's not going to be in this linear fashion with three points in a poem. Or I don't normally preach like that anyway. I, I do have a point or, or five, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit different. So it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit... I think I just got a call. No, I didn't. All right. Um, Shiny object. All right. Um, chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes says this, verse 1, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now, what, what does this say? This essentially says this, that being a fool stinks. All right? Don't do that. Verse 2. Um, back, back at one, one other point here. There, there, there were flies that would get into an ointment. They would die. Somehow their decomposition would get into that ointment, and it would stink really bad. Solomon looks at this, and he says, uh, that just smells bad. That smells horrific. So it's something that's supposed to be good that then all of a sudden just absolutely reeks and he's saying this, that there, there, it just takes a little bit of foolishness in your life. It takes a little bit of foolishness in my life. And I've already told you some of my stories about what, what I've done. So you, uh, hopefully you've dropped your guard here and you're not like, he's calling me a fool. I'm saying all of us are foolish on some level. Okay, so just understand that. And I'm including myself in that. But it, essentially, it just takes a little bit of foolishness to, to completely mess things up. It takes one indiscretion to change the direction of your life, the direction of your family, the direction of your career. It just takes one. And Solomon wants you to be keenly aware of the fact that your life can be totally messed up. The, the course of it can be changed by allowing some uh, foolishness to be in your life. So the, the first stage of, of understanding that we have foolishness is, is understanding that we have a problem, right? It's, it, we, we have to get over this denial of of that I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty wise person. I have things going pretty well for me. I've done this and I've done that. That normally leads down a road towards foolishness. It normally does. Let's keep going. Verse 2, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, 
but a fool's heart to the left. Everyone in here should be a Republican if you want to be. I'm just kidding, all right? Uh, this, that is a complete joke. I, I don't know why we haven't picked up on this yet, but it, uh, that's not actually what it's saying. But a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart inclines him to the left. And then he says, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. So I don't know if this guy's like prancing down the road like, I'm a fool. You've never seen me skip on stage before, have you, right? That was pretty imp impressive. I can't believe I remembered how to do that. But um, So I, I, don't, I don't think he's necessarily doing that, but it's like Solomon's looking down a road. Think about looking down a road. He's looking down this road, and he says, I can see where wisdom's going. It's going to the right. And I can see where folly is going. I can see where foolishness is. I can see what's happening. And just on a very practical level here, like if you were to look down the road and you see people and you go, all right, that's foolishness. That's not where I want to be. And this is wisdom. That's where I want to be. And essentially, Solomon is saying, it is plain to see. You can look at someone and you can see the direction, the trajectory of their life. This person's going this way. This person's going that way. And so Solomon is saying, you can see this. It's not a mystery. What this also means is this, is that you can look at your own life and you can say, which direction have I been going? Am I, am I inclined to the left or am I inclined to the right? Am I somebody who's consistently unwilling to hear what other people have to say? That one of the best things that you can do is, and I, and I love this, I've come to a point where I love it. I think I love it all the time, but I, uh, I, I love it when people tell me the truth about what, how they feel about me or, or, or in, in some way if I've injured them or hurt them. Or they look at my life and they say, you know, Matt, like this is something that you do all the time and it is, you know, it's hurtful towards people. Matt, I, there, sometimes when you do this, this happens. My wife told me that about uh, you know, recently about a situation. And she, and she was like, you know, when you do this, this is what takes place. And I said, fine, you lead. All right, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> and she did, and she did a great job in that particular situation. But, and that was appropriate for that situation. But one of the things that I, that I love hearing is that I love to hear, I'm just not really great at this. Because then I can just cross that off my box sometimes and just go, that's not something that I should really be doing. I should let somebody else do that. But too often what happens is this, is that we're a fool like the one in Proverbs who spurns correction. Meaning this, that like, I don't want to hear what anybody else has to say. Somebody comes up to us and we say, oh yeah, well I've seen your ointment stinks too. I mean, like you, you've got some stuff in your, in your closet as well and so I don't really need to listen to you. A fool is the one who spurns correction, won't listen to anybody. But a wise man is, the someone, is someone who receives a rebuke. More than just saying, oh, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. But somebody who says, okay, I am going to try and discern whether this really makes sense in my life. Is this true of me? Am I somebody who's been a fool? All of us are foolish on some level or another. All of us need to hear from somebody else who's looking at our life. Most of us need to hear from our spouse and I've seen many situations where I, either one, one spouse or the other, the man or the woman in, in those relationships, uh, refuse to hear and will re refuse to be led by their spouse in that particular area. 
which is in the area of correction. And many times, what could really help a relationship is deep honesty between the spouses to say, this is hurting me every time that happens. Or, you know, uh, it would really help me, husband, if you could make sure that you have work because it's going to help our family. Or, um, wife, you are angry a lot and it is affecting me and it is affecting this and it, it's affecting all of these things. And we need a fool spurns correction. A fool spurns correction. A wise man hears a rebuke. Ask yourself, am I living wisely or am I living like a fool? We'll keep going here. Verse, verse 4, that's right. How to deal with the fools of this world. I would title this for beginning in verse 4. Uh, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Now, you can look at this and just say, I'm never in front of a ruler. I'm probably never going to be standing in front of the governor or the chief of police or the, you know, pre the president, much less in a situation when they're going to be furious with me. It's not that. It's the concept behind it. It's somebody who's in authority. It could even be somebody who's not in authority because it's still the, calm, the, 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 uh, the situation that he's talking about which is that when you're in a situation and somebody is uh, very furious with you, their anger is rising against you, what Solomon says is this, he, is this. He says, don't leave your place for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. What this looks like is this. The fool spurns correction and says, forget you, I'm out of here, and takes off. And they say it in that high pitch of a voice too. You can recognize it all the time. The fool is the person who won't listen. They just walk off. Imagine in, in a king's court, the, the, the king is furious with somebody, just, just giving it to somebody. And they say, oh, yeah, well, forget you. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, you, you're the horrible king and you know, whatever. I mean, obviously, that's going to go poorly for them. Solomon looks at a situation like this, and he says, listen, what needs to happen in that situation is that you need to remain calm. When, someone, when it feels like someone's attacking you, you have to remain calm. You need to sit there and just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with this. For those of you that know Jesus, you need to understand this, that Jesus went to the cross. He, he refused to answer some of their questions. He did not speak in his defense. He essentially willingly went to the cross. He took all the accusations, and he just, he just took it. There's a gospel explanation for you here, but just on a practical level, uh, listen to this, uh, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. The NIV will say anger, I believe, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And, and too often in our culture, we say, you know what, just get it, just let it all out. Just like, you know, just, it's not good to hold in your feelings. I'm sorry, I just have to say something. Or you hashtag just saying, you know, whatever, just dumb things like that. I just need to tell you exactly how I feel um, and essentially what you're saying is, it's like the fool walking down the road, skipping, I'm a fool, I'm a fool, because you're essentially announcing what's wrong. And I, I just want to tell you something, and that is that there has never been a time, never, never been a time in my life where I blew up 
and I felt good about it. There's never been a time. In fact, when I finally got to the point where I matured to the point where I, I, would, I, would, I would no longer blow up, but then I would just kind of give little tells like, thank you, walk off. Everybody knows I'm still ticked, you know? I mean, appreciate your service out of here, right? I mean, that's, that's still me not remaining calm in a situation. I have this deep, seething anger over something stupid, and I walk out. I, I want you to know, I have never seen a situation like that in my life that has gone well. In your business life, when we blow up at people, we limit the relationship, relationships that we can have with other folks. You end up severing relationships that you have. I've said this before. I blew up at a friend of mine. I cussed him out one side and down the other. He was my boss at the time. I've never forgotten it. I've never lived it down. I have always felt like I never should have done that. It taught me a huge lesson. A fool gives full vent to his anger, especially when you're in the presence of a king or a police officer or in the presence of your wife or in the presence of your husband or in the presence of your boss. A fool gives full vent to his anger. Remain calm. Stop. And, and think about what's happening in this situation and understand that Solomon one of the wisest men that has ever lived says this, it is way, way, way better for you to just remain calm. Because of this, it will lay great offenses to rest. You don't have to become defensive. You just sit there. Verse 5 says, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Listen to what this is saying. It's a, it's a little bit shrouded, but what he's saying, I, th there is this incredible evil. It's really bad that I've seen under the sun. And it's somebody who's in a high place that shouldn't be in a high place. It's a ruler. You may think of a, a president. I don't know. I've watched this series on, on presidents uh, recently. I think it's through History Channel. And it's interesting to look at the history of many of our U.S. presidents and how, why Abraham Lincoln is always talked about because he stands in such incredible contrast to so many of other, uh, other presidents who basically sat and did nothing. They would push it all on the Congress, or they would, or they would just make poor decisions, or they, or they wouldn't make decisions, or they, something like that. That's why Abraham Lincoln would sit there, and, he would, and he, would, he would be incredible. But what he's talking about here is he's saying there is a great evil when there is error, and it's coming from these rulers. But even more so than a political realm, we could even be talking about like people in culture, in pop culture, like the Kardashians, like... Many people will go to, I don't know if you do this, I, I, I'm guessing here, okay? I haven't uh, read Vogue in a while, my Bible, but, um, I, uh, but uh, advice from them on relationships. Advice from moronic magazines and websites. Well, it's on the internet, must be true. You can find out whatever you want on the internet. I should leave my husband. You know what? He's just bad for me. I'm not talking about abuse here, but I'm talking about like, you know what? I'm just not happy. I'm not my, my, I'm not my true self. 
There is error proceeding from a ruler. Sometimes we make those people a ruler in our life. And we say, you know, you are on high, O great one. And essentially, we begin to listen to them. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. What he's talking about there is he's saying the rich, the people who have wisdom, not talking about monetarily, not talking about money here, we're talking about people rich in wisdom. The rich are sitting in these low places, and it's hard to find. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard to get at. You remember the story uh, in the previous chapter, there's this old man, and he has this wisdom that's going to save this city, but people really have to lean in. They've got to listen. You got to listen very closely because it's not shouted from the rooftops from our rulers today. Wisdom is not common in our world. Wisdom is common among, many times, the lowly or the seemingly lowly. It's these people who I would never think to listen to them. I would never think to hear from them. But I've been so surprised by people in my life that I've thought, you know what, I need to hear from that person because I just see this incredible wisdom coming from him. As a young man, I remember uh, a friend of mine, his dad was very wise, and I saw him and I saw his relationship with his father and I thought, you know what, I wanna learn from his dad. And so I asked his dad, can we meet, can we hang out? I had to go to the low places. I couldn't just go out with my friends. I had to go to the low places. And I had to hear from this uh, friend's dad. And I met with him on a regular basis. And some of you are old enough to be meeting with people but you won't do it. Uh, and you have wisdom because you, uh, you're, you're perhaps older in life or you've had some experience in a certain area. And that's just, that's just sin. Like, you should stop doing that, and you should start hanging out with people that, that need your help because there's a lot of people that need to hear from someone in a low place. And you may think, oh, I don't have much to offer. Well, that's a great place to begin because you have humility. He says, I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like, like slaves. There's people who are essentially slaves when it comes to the amount of wisdom that they have, and yet they're riding a high horse. They're riding this high horse, and they... They think they've got this figured out. And you, you can see this in pop culture very clearly. They were on their high horse for a while, and now they've been knocked off their high horse when their wisdom came to an end. Listen to this. Understand this. You, you cannot continue to look to the world and to the things that it has and think that, oh, that's going to get me further along in life. Wisdom is whispered in the low places, not heard from somebody in a high place very often. Here we go. Verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. Now, this could be saying one of two things. This could be saying, uh, there are many hazards in our work life. And that would be like, that's really interesting, Solomon. Thank you for telling me that right now. And, but I, I think that there's another possibility, because when somebody digs a pit in Psalms, it's talking about there's people who are digging a pit. They're trying to catch me. They're thieves. They're bandits. And so I think, it's probably, uh, I think it's probably that. And I think Solomon is saying here that, there are, that there's a fool who's digging a pit, and ultimately it's going to lead to his own demise. It's, it's going to lead to his own demise, and he's going to end up falling in his own pit. Or you're going to end up breaking in somewhere. Think of all those uh, funny videos that we see from 
and not that a robbery is funny, but um, the, the videos that you see from people trying to rob mini marts where they go in and they take all the money and then they run out and then hit the door and forget that they needed to pull instead of push and they're on the ground. Or, I mean, they just end up hurting themselves and uh, falling out of the ceiling, hitting the ground or something like that. There's this idea like he who breaks through a wall is going to get bit by a snake. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. A fool is going to reap the rewards of his life. Next one here. He says, he who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who splits logs is endangered by them. Workplace safety, totally. I mean, like, we need to be safer. We're so glad that, he, that we have OSHA and all of this, since we don't, so we don't need to be wise here. But he, I think what he's saying here, verse 10, is if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one succeed. He's saying this, there, there is danger in work, there is danger in, in, in doing the things that we do in life, there are things that just happen, that, I mean, if, if you're going to be working, I mean, it's, it's you're quarrying, sto- stacking stones, whatever you're doing, eventually you may have a stone fall on you. Uh, if you're splitting logs, eventually you're going to be hit by one, but what he says here is he says, a lot of that can be avoided through wisdom. This is, this is what came to my mind when I was thinking about this. See, you think about wisdom in all of your life. Many of us think about how can I do my job better? How can I do it faster? Um, how can I get home quicker so that I can uh, relax even? You use wisdom in your life all the time. You use wisdom in all of these areas. And Solomon says, listen, you could uh, think smarter instead of working harder and use wisdom in this area. Here's what I think in part he's implying here. You've got to apply that same idea to the rest of your life. If in the midst of your life you're saying, okay, I need to make sure that I have wisdom in my work life, you should extend that to the rest of your life. If you're thinking, I want to have wisdom with my kids and what's the best way to raise them, you should extend that to all of your life. It's not just in this area. You need to learn what it looks like to be somebody who is wise in every area of life and not just shut things off. Next verse. Verse 11, if the serpent bites before it's charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. You need to use wisdom in your life. But if you wait too long to use wisdom in your life, it's too late. It's too late. If you don't save for retirement beginning now, by the time you're... Uh, 65 or whenever you're going to retire, it's it's not going to be a good time for you. It's not a good time to to go in and say, you know what, I'd like to begin a retirement plan. I'd like to open up an IRA. You're 65. It's not going to do any good. The serpent has already bit, and now you're trying to charm it. Too many times we put things off that we know need to happen in our life. There's a wisdom that needs to be applied to our life to make us more effective in the way that we live. But there's also a wisdom that needs to be applied to our life to make us more effective spiritually. And some of you are not effective spiritually because of this. You lack wisdom. You won't listen to what God has to say. Some of you are lacking spiritually because of this. You refuse to pick up your Bible and read it. And you think that listening to sermons is the best thing for you. 
I'm sure there's somebody in here that I've probably talked to you about this. I don't have your name in my mind right now. I'm not calling you out right now. But there's a lot of people from this generation that think this. I'll just listen to sermons and that'll be fine. But that's not what God has for you. God has called the people to himself. God has called the people to be uh, a part of him. And if you sit there and you think, uh, okay, I can just do whatever I want. Listen, there's this idea that you're putting off what needs to be happening in your life today. If you're not engaged with God's people, if you're not engaged in the word of God, if you're not engaged in prayer, if you're not engaged in Christian community, and I'm not saying only involved in that, I'm saying at some point, if that's not happening, people know you, like I know you, you know me, or your community group leader knows you and you know them. There's a group of people that know you. I can't know everybody in the church, but I don't know if you know that or not, but I try to, I try to know your names and so forth, but you've got to be known by somebody. You cannot put this off. You cannot keep doing this within the midst of your life as a Christian man or a Christian woman. Like raising your kids is of the utmost importance. And if you put that off and you say, you know, I'm going to take care of that a little bit later, you are essentially trying to charm the snake after the fact because the snake is getting ready to bite right now. There's studies that show that people are developed between the ages of three and five and that their personalities are beginning. And some of us have missed that. Some of us have missed this idea that, that, uh, that I'm shaping my child between the ages of three and five. That's not the only time, but it is critically important that dad's home and he's available and he's around and he's reading the Bible to his kids and he's talking with them about Jesus. And if you put that off, you are putting off what God has for you. You're not using wisdom and what's ultimately going to happen is you may end up having children that don't love Jesus. You may anyway. I'll just say that. You can do everything right and it still goes bad. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm mourning over that right now. That I could do everything right and it, it, it may still go bad. And I hope it doesn't. But I just want to tell you this. That in most cases, you can look at a child's life. You can see the trajectory of where they went, and you can pinpoint some things that happened in their life, specifically with dads, but sometimes with moms as well. I'll just tell you this. Like, if you wait to have a relationship with your kids and to talk to them about Jesus until they're in their teens, they've already got people in high places that they're listening to. They already have the high places filled, and you ain't it, Dad. Right? Right now, they're, right now they're, they're ready. They're listening, and you've got to be there. You could be a part of that. Some of us are, are putting this off and we're saying, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll begin relationship with Jesus when it's more convenient for me. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the truth, and that is that there is an end in, in mind. It's not in my mind, it's in God's mind. And there's, there's a number on your days, and I, I don't know what it is, but you must give your life to Jesus Christ. You must not put it off. You must not wait until that snake bites because it's, it, then it's going to be too late. And I'm not referring to God as a snake and that you need to appease him with some flute playing, but I am saying this, that there's wisdom there that says this, that time is running out and you must give your life to Jesus Christ, whether you've never done it or whether you're just saying, I've been a Christian in name only. And essentially, my life doesn't look Christian because I live in all these different ways. The truth is, if someone looked at my life, they'd see I'm veering to the left. 
The truth is that's really what's going on with me. And, and, and so if you're, if you're kind of in that place where you're like, I've just been filled with, with foolishness. Let's just be honest with ourselves. So I've been veering to the left. Then here, here's the thing you need to understand is that you may be Christian in name only, and that may be a box that you check. But you don't know and love Jesus. You like some people at church. Knowing and loving Jesus Christ is the way to God. It's not through some religious affiliation. And I want to tell you, I think that's a really hard thing to say, but I want to tell you it may be the best thing you ever hear. Because you must give your life to Jesus Christ, whether you've always been in the church or whether you've never been in the church. You must give your life to him. That's a good place to stop. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for these men and women. I want to pray that you would soften hearts. I want to pray that you would tear away barriers of, of arrogance and pride. God, ultimately, you're going to do what you're going to do. You're the Spirit of God. You are the one who does the work. And so, God, we are, we are just here to affirm your work in our lives. That you're the one that brings about true faith. It's not us trying to work it up. But it's also not based on a bunch of flimsy facts. It's based on real things that took place in history that can be looked at. And so, Lord, we ask that we would not be foolish in overlooking the reality of history the sense of what you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would not be foolish in just negating all of those things. But Lord, that we would, in essence, do the work that needs to be done today because that's what you've called us to do. So Lord Jesus, today I pray that many of us, most of us, all of us, would, would ask ourselves this question, am I walking to the left or am I walking to the right? Am I walking in foolishness or am I walking in wisdom? You are the wisdom that is available. You have given us our minds. You have created all things. You know all things. And so, Lord, I pray that we would look to you. And I pray that we'd see you on the cross. And I pray that we'd understand what the cross means that even though it looks like complete foolishness, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Lord, I pray that we would not perish because we look at the cross and say it's foolish, but we look at it and recognize it for what it is. Lord, give us that. In your name we pray, amen.